For one weekend each year, non-profit cultural organisation Open House New York unlocks the doors to over 140 spaces and buildings across the city that are usually kept off-limits or restricted to visitors. The event also offers audiences the opportunity to hear from the very people that help design, build and preserve them. We visited three of these extraordinary locations to find out what significance their evolving natures carry as part of New York City's vast history. First up, the Brooklyn Army Terminal. Sitting on the piers of Red Hook, what was once the largest military supply base in the United States during the Second World War, now serves a new purpose as a fully functioning private industrial complex. With over 70 tenants and thousands of employees, the Army Terminal is a hub for art, science and commercial production. Designed by renowned American architect Cass Gilbert in 1918, the terminal combines high functionality with a minimalist design and layout, a far cry from the work that had brought him fame, like the ornate US Customs House in Lower Manhattan. We followed Andrew Gustafson, the Vice President of Turnstile Tours, as he led a guided tour of the space. A lot of his buildings uh, are notable for their pretty extreme ornamentation. This building has none. There is no ornamentation whatsoever because this building was designed to be functional and to be built extremely fast. And so that's why it's built entirely out of poured reinforced concrete, um, which was, again, the largest concrete building in the world when it was built, about 4 million square feet. To give you a sense of comparison, One World Trade Center in Lower Manhattan, tallest building in the Western Hemisphere, that's three and a half million square feet. So this building is only eight stories tall and it has more square footage. It's not a, a uh, skyscraper, it's more of like a landscraper. Um, but this building is actually longer than the Woolworth building is tall. It took about 7,000 people working here at the peak of construction uh, to get this thing built. After a lack of funding and resources stalled construction, the terminal was eventually finished in September of 1919 and used as military storage for the next 20 years, until the beginning of the Second World War. Fast forward 78 years and the terminal has become a private community space, catering to companies and artists alike. This space has been donated to Shishama by uh, the New York City Economic Development NYC EDC. So we've been here for over 20, oh that's a lie, 12 years and they've been so kind enough to let us have this space and so we have turned it into artist studios. So the artists will pay a very subsidized monthly rent to keep the building space operational um, but the artists have complete access at all times to their spaces and this is actually our, we call it our space to create program. So it's essentially just providing artists with the space to create their work. That was Chelsea Escher, communications manager of Shishama Studios, a workspace within the army terminal for sculptors, painters, photographers and artists. Local Brooklyn teacher Jack Rivas came to the terminal for the first time to see the studios. I think personally when I look at this building it reminds me of 1984. It has a sort of like a very government feel to it. Train tracks run through the centre of the army terminal, what would have been the main cargo handling area. From here, five-ton overhead electric trains could pick up the cargo and drop it into any level of any sector of the building, using one of the many interior balconies. 
The Army Terminal had the highest number of freight elevators in the world, making cargo easy to transport onto ships. So the idea is that once you took a piece of freight off of a train and put it into the warehouse, it never touched the ground, the ground level again, until it was on a ship. So you can move things around on the third level between actually three different buildings, as well as the piers, without disturbing the rail traffic that was all at street grade here at the Army Terminal. Brooklyn Army Terminal, like an abundance of spaces in New York City, has had to adapt to keep up. The city's constant expansion has meant more and more buildings have had to repurpose or face the wrecking ball. Because New York has such a rich history, often spaces within the city will have lived many lives. One such space is a 19th century tenement building sitting on East 3rd Street that went on to become one of the first legalised squats in New York City. Known as Bullet Space, the building still hosts residents in the units above, but is also home to a community access centre and art gallery. Standing outside, the building looks like any other in the East Village, but once you're inside and looking at the art hanging on the walls, you can see that this is a place where the community has come together through a shared love of art and history. For Open House New York, the very people that helped shape the abandoned building into a livable space offered tours of the gallery and garden and the off-limits basement. One such person was local artist and co-director of Bullet Space, Alexandra Rojas. It started as six o'clock squad and then later on, um, Andrew started Bullet Space with a group of other artists and Bullet was the brand of heroin that was sold here on the block. Um, we appropriated the name not uh, to romanticize the drug, but to use it as a weapon of resistance and of, of making art and using art as a political weapon. When the building was first taken over by squatters in 1985, it was in such a deteriorated condition that the artists had to revamp the entire thing. Wooden beams that held the ceiling up had to be replaced. A sewerage system had to be built from scratch. Electricity had to be introduced, and rubble covering the back garden had to be cleared away. It became a community project, kept hidden from New York City authorities, who would have immediately evicted them if they knew. It, it was a, a communal thing. We we worked together. We did a lot of we did a lot of um, labor. We we did a lot of sweat equity. We fixed a lot of things. You know, I'm a carpenter. I built a lot of things that helped put up the walls in the gallery. You know, we did a lot of sweat labor and, and became skilled at things, you know. In 2002, after 20 years of squatting, the non-profit organization Urban Homesteading Assistance Board negotiated a deal with the city that let the squatters buy the building for $1. If you ask any artist living in the East Village in the 90s, they'll tell you the significance that Bullet Space has on the history of the area. We've been here for 30 years, uh, making art, uh, collaborating in artist books. We kind of feel like we stole a building, and Bullet Space is uh, a form of giving back to the neighborhood in, in a cultural way. It's our a thing that we, we do, bring it, inviting artists. We've had, I don't even know how many, over 5,000 artists that have come through these doors. In 2010, an archaeological dig was done in the back garden of the building and several artefacts from the past three centuries were found. These artefacts are now stored in the basement of Bullet Space. Um, this shoe is the oldest thing in here. If you're tall, watch your head. Um, it's from 1790. 
this was the oldest thing that was down at 13 feet down. Um, and this is just a fragment of all the things. And a lot of these things are pre-Civil War and post-Civil War. So it's interesting to see these things in that context. Open House New York volunteer Greg Hunt has been participating in the annual events since it began 15 years ago. I love the whole idea. Uh, they talk about the community that they've built here and how the neighborhood really supports itself and helps each other out. I told the stories about Sandy and how the whole community came together. That's what I love about it. As the East Village changes and becomes high-rise luxury condos, it just displaces the original purpose behind the East Village, and it's so great to see them surviving here. In a city home to more than 8 million people from all around the world, community can be everything. Whether it's people that come from the same place, or speak the same language, or share the same interests. And located in the far west village, right by Hudson River, is one such community. Westbeth Artists Housing is a non-profit residential and commercial complex made up of 13 buildings. The complex offers both affordable living and a workspace for artists. But like Bullet Space and Brooklyn Army Terminal, Westbeth started out as something entirely different. In 1868, Westbeth was known as Bell Laboratories and was one of the world's most important research centres. Most people don't know, but it was here that a lot of firsts happened. The invention of the first talking movie, the first TV broadcast, the first video phone, and for nearly 100 years, it remained a site for technological inventions. It wasn't until 1968, after Bell Laboratories vacated the complex, that it became Westbeth. Over the years, Westbeth has been home to a number of influential artists, musicians, and performers, including photographer Diane Arbus, playwright David Greenspan, and jazz saxophonist Billy Harper. This is what drew local New Yorker Laurie, a participant of Open House New York for a few years now, to visit Westbeth. Um, I came specifically to Westbeth because I lived in the neighborhood for a very long time. I was always curious about the inside of the, um, of the building and the community who lived here. And this, this was one of the top ones that I wanted to take a look at. Um, just, I, I like the idea of the, um, the, the artists who've lived here and um, for many years, you know, really since the, I guess, 67 or early 70s. And this whole village would have been a very different place then. And I like to see, um, I don't know, the folks who just decided to make a home here. But, you know, they do have um, performance space here and galleries here that you, can, um, that you can come and see works of art, dance. I saw a concert here back in, I think, like, 95 or something like that. The building itself is weather-beaten, angular, slate-grey, and a little bleak-looking from the outside. But inside, the rooms are vibrant with life, reflecting the personality of each individual artist. Anna Garces Kylie, a painter, has been a resident of Westbeth since January this year. Her artwork, hanging from the walls and ceiling, juxtaposed with her son's artwork, tacked on the walls, gave the apartment a distinctive flair. That one, I just got priced out of Bushwick and got really lucky um, getting a call back that I could come and move in here. I think it's such a strange building, strange architecture. Yeah, it's intriguing for everyone. It's uh, adaptive reuse, which I think is a big trend and uh, very necessary here in the city. Each year, Open House New York reminds us of exactly that, the importance of adaptive reuse within the city. Buildings that may have had their beginnings as a military supply base or a squatters project or a laboratory are now art galleries and communities and homes. The evolution of spaces here is neither uncommon nor unknown, 
But the stories behind their change, the many lives that these spaces have lived, they are worth discovering and sharing, and they are what become forever ingrained in New York City's history. For WNSR New School Radio, I'm Marae Sorderby.